Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jenikin. How's it going, Des? Good. How are you? I'm good. I got Desi wine. Right. So I'm... I'm ready to go. I'm she, toasty. She's had a hell of a day. Yeah. So the wine helps. I'm not an AA. I'm not drinking wine. Rachel is drinking coffee. Yes. So don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry, guys. But I do want to start the show off by thanking our Patreon contributors. Thank you guys so much for helping support the show. And thanks to everyone who's left us reviews and everything on iTunes. That's great, too. This week, we had Angela, AK, Kristen, Whitney, Sarah, Chelsea, Marsha, Tracy, and Allegra. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys That's so, so awesome much. and supportive, and we love it, and we're very grateful. Absolutely. Uh, if you can't contribute to the Patreon, you can help us out by leaving us reviews on iTunes. Um, and I think I mentioned this last week, but we are kind of running a little um, – is it a special? I have no fucking idea. But we will have a book giveaway for our favorite review of the month. So if that's an added incentive for you, great. Right. Leave a funny review and we will pick out our favorite and give you a copy of um, the Michelle McNamara book uh, book about the Golden State Killer. Right. And I think we'll sign something for you, either the book or uh, whatever. If you want that all, as well, let us know. And that's that. Okay. So let's get to our story today, Rachel. Well, today we are talking about a very, very famous case. This is a movie ver- versus reality episode. The case we are going to be discussing today is the Lizzie Borden case, which I'm sure many of you probably know about. It's very famous. There have been tons and tons of podcasts that have already been and done. shows. TV shows and... Nursery rhymes. The- <laughs> There's a very famous nursery rhyme about Lizzie Borden. And we will be talking about the case juxtaposed with the new movie that just came out. So that'll be a new twist. Yeah. See? Yeah. See, we try. (laughs) The movie that just came out about Lizzie Borden is called Lizzie. It stars Chloe Sevigny as Lizzie Borden and Kristen Stewart as Bridget Sullivan. And I just saw it last night with Brendan. And we will be talking about the movie after we talk about the facts of the case. Okay. So for this week's research, I read two different books. I did not read the entirety of either of these books because, let's face it, I have a tough enough time reading one book a week. I There's no way I could have gotten through two. But I did read a... a she skimmed. Some Look, I read some. <laughs> I read. I read some very big chunks of both of these books. Good. Okay, we get it. You read. <laughs> the first uh, book I read is called "The Fall River Tragedy: A History of the Borden Murders," and that is by Edwin H. Porter. This book came out in 1893. It came Whoa. out just a year after the murders. And the other book that I read was called "A Private Disgrace: Lizzie Borden by Daylight," and that is by Victoria Lincoln. So, a private disgrace is also the name of my memoir. <laughs> it's 
a great title. And it really is. It, it has like a lot of like ooh. intrigue. Like, ooh. That's part of the reason why I yeah. bought it. Because I was yeah. like, I like that title. It's good. But I did do a lot of research beforehand figuring out what the best Which books were Lizzie Borden but, yeah. book. And the reason that I chose the really old ass book was because this case is so famous and it happened so long ago. There has been so many rumors and theories. So a lot of the books that came out later are all theoretical. They inject, probably try to make it, yeah, inject other things. They inject other things, and over time, it's like been like a game of telephone. Theories have sort of become uh, canon in the story. Right. So I wanted the bare bones, basic facts Back. of the case. Got it. And we will start with that. Lizzie Andrew Borden was born July 19th, 1860 in Fall River, Massachusetts. She was the youngest of two girls. Her older sister, Emma, was born in March of 1851. Lizzie's mother was Sarah Anthony Morse, and her father was Andrew Jackson Borden. Lizzie's mother ended up dying two years after she was born, and three years after her mother's death, Andrew married Abby Durfee Gray, who would become Lizzie's stepmother. Now, Andrew, the dad, came from humble beginnings, but he went on to amass great wealth and success. And Andrew did not have the greatest reputation around town. He was a slumlord, and he was a man who was very quick to evict tenants and to raise the rent. Basically, like, he he didn't give a shit if your family was sick and dying and you lived in one of his properties. He was like, you can't pay the rent, get the fuck out. Yeah. Take your smallpox elsewhere. I don't fucking care about your baby. <laughs> Yeah, that was this guy. Yeah. That's how he operated. Okay, good. Andrew was considered a highly influential person around the town, though. He owned several properties in Fall River. He was a director of several textile mills. He was the president of the Union Savings Bank. But he never made a great show of his wealth. He believed in spending money conservatively and in saving. According to his brother-in-law, this is a very old-timey name, Hiram C. Harrington, (laughs) Andrew was incredibly stubborn, especially where money was concerned. He believes, this guy Hiram, he believes without a doubt that money was the motive for his murder. And at the time of Andrew's death, he was worth $300,000, which in those days was over $8 million. So he was a very wealthy man. So the idea that money was the motive for the murders is not an uncommon theory that's like the main I mean money is a very common motive for a lot of murders absolutely the Borden family did not live in the ritzy part of town which was known as the hill they lived the hills (laughs) I mean it's like the hills like right you know so Lizzie wanted to be Elsie come on (laughs) right exactly Uh, they lived in Fall River which was the blue collar working class area of town you know, this was, it's speculated as to whether or not the Borden sisters were embarrassed by this. I mean, they did absolutely want to live on the hill, but if they were sort of, it's implied. How that, much were they embarrassed? There, it's implied yeah. that there was shame around them living in the working class area when they absolutely could have afforded to. Live in the most exclusive. Right. And to live among the society people uh-huh. and to attend these sort of society events with them. Uh, the Borden house was very modest as well. It was a two-story home with a barn in the back and a pear tree. And the house had very little privacy. Much of the layout was open air. I mean, like, rooms opened into each other. There really wasn't any... Everything was connected. You had to walk through 
Yeah. So there's not a lot of privacy. There was a, no privacy in this house. There's lots of people holding a towel going, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was like, can you imagine being a grown ass woman living there? Yeah. That's horrible. Right. With your parents and there's no privacy in your house. Ugh. On top of that, in one of the books that I read, In a Private Disgrace, this author throws such great shade about how ugly she thought the decor of the house was. That's me writing historical fiction. It was great. She was like, they had this ugly ass, like, Ulysses S. Grant looking furniture. What does that even mean? But I do think it sounds horrible. (laughs) Right. Like, very, like, sort of... It was very Civil War, but we were already in the Industrial Age. (laughs) No, like, that's what she was saying. She was like, this dated-ass Ulysses S. Grant furniture in the house. Like, Uh, she was totally... People were already buying Ethan Allen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And by the way, Victoria Lincoln, the author of this book, I want to say that her credibility for writing this story is that her mother ran in the same circles as Lizzie Borden. Okay. So she grew up like a block away from them. And so she knew, she actually knew Lizzie Borden when she was really young. So she had some insight into that as well. This house had no plumbing. And if you were wealthy, you should have had plumbing by now. I feel like yes. Right? I mean, come on. If it was available. It was available. Yeah. That's that's what you need to spend your money on. Right. Like a a place to take a shower. Or a shit. And go take a shit. (laughs) And they couldn't do either of those things, basically. They did have two faucets in the house, like wow. Uh, and the one of the faucet, uh, you know, one of the faucets hopefully was in the kitchen. The other one hopefully was in the bathroom, but it was only cold water that came out of these faucets. Oof. So, like, I mean, that's when you're like heating up bath water, right? Yeah, like yeah. boiling it on the stove. That's how they took baths. Oh, that's how you fill the days. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, they didn't even have electricity in their house. You always try to get the best technology you can afford, I would think. He just was such a penny pincher and in such sort of like mind-boggling ways. Like it, like I get... I mean, I get not having like a crystal chandelier. Right. But a toilet seems pretty like not only like uh, a luxury, but it's more sanitary. Right. Like people were dying of diseases from not having indoor plumbing. Totally. So, I mean, it's just practical, Andrew. <laughs> Come on. I just... I, Let's just, I just want to hammer home, like, this is, like, a big part of the story. It's, like, how much of a dick Andrew Borden was. I'm on board. Yeah. I will buy a man as a dick <laughs> within two seconds. <laughs> so, even though they were very frugal, the girls did dress nicely. <clears throat> oh. And they always had a maid at home working for them, someone who lived with them. And in 1889, Bridget Sullivan, a young woman from Ireland, moved to America, and began working for the Bordens. Lizzie and her sister could have been society girls due to their father's wealth and influence, but the two girls lived a more humble life. Lizzie was a Sunday school teacher and involved in the Central Congregationalist Church, and Lizzie was also a member of the Ladies' Fruit and Flower Mission. Boring. (laughs) It sounds like, yeah, it sounds very prim and proper, like, I mean, it's, it's like very school marmy yeah. kind of life. Like her life wasn't very exciting. No. There wasn't much going on. Like she had her little like social ga- circles, but it was like church folk. Right. Sort of. Yeah. It wasn't like this glamorous. Like she wasn't going to cotillions and stuff. Or clubs. She wasn't <laughs> clubbing. She wasn't like the Violet Bick of town. Right. <laughs> 
going to Nick's. Is that what it was called? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Nick's Bar. What happened to Martinis? Was it called Martinis, <laughs> Martinis. In, in Bedford yeah, yeah, Falls? Yeah, yeah, I okay. can't remember. We're talking about It's a Wonderful Life. Uh-huh, okay. uh-huh. So, it's commonly speculated that Lizzie was bitter about not living a lavish lifestyle, even though her family had the means to. Lizzie definitely appeared closer to her sister Emma than her stepmother Abby. In fact, after Lizzie and Emma's mom died, Emma sort of took on the maternal role for Lizzie. She never saw her stepmom Abby in that maternal role. And in fact, five years before Abby's murder, Lizzie was just calling her Mrs. Borden. Like she wouldn't even, she wouldn't call her mother. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, okay, Mrs. Borden. Yeah. (laughs) Ha ha ha. LOL. She owned her. She owned her. Uh, So Lizzie and Emma were considered spinsters because they were never married, still lived with their parents, and into their 30s. Those were the days. (laughs) Can you imagine? Right. I'm a spinster. I'm proud of it. (laughs) But at least I'm fucking. Right. I feel like Lizzie is not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I looked, I looked first. I was like, I need to know about Lizzie's sex life. I need to know if she was fucking people, what was going on. Right. I mean, it's so sad to think of someone just being a spinster because a woman can get laid if she wants to lift up that bustle, Lizzie. (laughs) (laughs) So Lizzie was close with her sister, but her relationship with her parents was very strained. According to Bridget Sullivan, the maid, Lizzie and Emma skipped out on family dinners. They preferred most nights to just eat alone in their rooms, I guess. Seems you know? normal. Right. Like, I'm going to my room. I like that they're like teenagers up into their 30s. Totally. Like, yeah. I mean, because they're living under the rule of their dad, basically. Ugh, that is my nightmare. Like, I couldn't wait to turn 18 to get out of the house. Totally. Because they didn't have, like, a man. Like, you had to have, like, an escort in those days. You had to have, like, a fucking... You had to have, like, a reason to leave the house. Like, someone had owned you now. Like, a new man. But because their dad owned them, essentially... She wasn't meeting anyone in Bible Club. (laughs) No. So, in the book, A Private Disgrace, this author, Desi, just repeatedly dunks on Lizzie's looks. Rude. And it's really funny. I forgot I put this in here in my notes because Desi and I were literally just talking about how hack it is to make fun of people's looks like to use that is like oh that's really funny it's very easy it's just like so like I feel like there can be a very clever dunk on someone's looks but most of them are not yeah most of it's just like low-hanging fruit it's just like kind of like a lowbrow form it's just like a low form of comedy it's just like whatever but I think the reason I found this so funny was because it seemed it wasn't that she was dunking on her looks that was funny. It was that it was like so unnecessary. Right. Like, why did Victoria Lincoln spend two paragraphs talking shit about how she thought Lizzie Borden was ugly in this book? I'm looking at Lizzie Borden right now. Okay. I'm just going to read. <laughs> Look, I'm, if you don't have something nice to say, I'm not going to write two paragraphs. <laughs> was like really made it a point I'm like what is this how I was reading this so I was right. like there's no point to I was it like, really what is unless she murdered someone for not thinking she was hot or like right right there was some I was looks like related what, aspect what to the is crime. the point this is what author Victoria Lincoln had to say about Lizzie Borden's looks her hair was naturally curly however until it turned the mousy brown I remember in her later years it was red and in her day, red hair was considered ugly. Well, that's not the way it is now, I will just say. 
because we are hot redheads. Come on. This is offensive, and I have never been more triggered. (laughs) (laughs) A misfortune to be pitied. What? That's what she says. Fuck this bitch. Her hands were large, but nicely formed and elegantly white, which I feel like that is like the biggest backhanded compliment. Right. To be like, you have Mickey Mouse hands, but they're really elegant. They're so elegant and white, those big ass fucking hands. (laughs) Man hands, right? That's like the Seinfeld. Right. Her shoulders were rather broad, and no severity of whalebone and lacing could hide the fact that her waist was thick. We don't care how fucking tight you pull that course. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know, maybe this was like okay to say in the 60s, but we don't body shame about people's Seriously? thick waist today, no. Victoria Lincoln. Very rude. So was her lower jaw. Oh wow. my God, this sentence is the worst because she's talking about her like how she's like, oh, she's thick around the middle. But then she puts a semicolon and she's like, oh, and so was her lower jaw. Oh, a semicolon. I mean, as if that makes it more official. It's still an own. (laughs) It's still rude. She learned early never to turn her profile to the camera. Her complexion was unfortunate, coarse and sallow. It flushed to a mottled crimson in moments of excitement. But her huge, protruding, pale eyes photographed surprisingly well, and she had a passion for having her picture taken by professionals, even after the murders, when her face had gone round and jowly. Wow. Right. I mean, honestly, a lot of us get flushed when we're excited, but I would love to know what Lizzie got excited about. I would, too. What was she getting excited about? Also, how did this fucking woman know? She wasn't there. And all these pics I see are are black and white. But the woman was there. This is the woman who lived on the same block as Lizzie. Oh, I thought you said her mother lived on the same block. No, she was like a little girl. Oh, okay. Her mom ran in the same circles as Lizzie I see. So So this is all her memory. Yes. Okay. She did know Lizzie when she was young. Okay. Right. Got it. Desi, there are so many rumors surrounding Lizzie in this case. Even rumors wondering if Lizzie actually hated her parents or that the environment at home, whether or not it was hostile or not. I think it's, I think from just knowing the facts about what their home life was life, I think it's safe to say that there probably was resentment. I mean, that's a pretty easy thing to believe with anyone that they would resent their parents. Well, especially if their parents were sort of keeping them. Right. If you're living with your parents past 18 There's no way you're not resenting them or vice versa. Right. Ooh, thank you. My sommelier is here. (laughs) Brendan just floated in the, in the room, in the studio. Honestly love how he twists the bottle at the end of the pour. Nice fully there. We have a fully (laughs) artist. Next he's going to come in slapping bologna together. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't be like, oh, we're just fucking. Yeah. Slap, 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 slap. So uh, thank you, Brendan. Thank you for that. I am not drinking wine. Let's just be clear. It's just Desi, obviously. Okay. Shade. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not shaming you. Okay. Okay. For your perfectly fine consumption of alcohol, considering I am not an addict. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Lizzie was rumored to have been a kleptomaniac. She is said to have regularly stolen things from the shops around town, but this rumor has not amounted to anything other than just gossip. I think that was also a rumor that came out after the case against her, after the whole murder happened. She's also a shoplifter. Yeah, it was like a way to it's sell like you papers. You don't really need to up 
the murder thing, like with shoplifting. Right. She was also a petty theft. Oh, okay. She right. stole baubles. Right. You tell that part of the story first and yeah. then you up it. Guess what else? She was an axe murderer. I'm sorry, hatchet. Oh my God, Desi. I went to so many different sources for my research for this episode because there there's just endless information about Lizzie Borden out there. And one of the one of the sources I went to was this Lizzie Borden digital like virtual museum that was great. It was a great yeah. resource. But they have this like like decade long forum comment section Ugh, that's been going it. on there. So it's like die hard Lizzie Borden fans right. and they are out there. There are people who are like they are historians. They are amateur historians of Lizzie Borden. Like mm-hmm. they are they are <laughs> obsessed with her. And you mean Elizabeth Borden? <laughs> Lisbeth Borden? So my favorite comment that I read on the forums was some person who was just absolutely indignant about like poser Lizzie Borden fans. Of course. She was like, you can always tell that someone doesn't even know what they're talking about when they say she took an axe. It was a hatchet. That that reminds me of my other favorite kind of slam from a true crime universe where the people are like, it was actually flavor aid, not cool. <laughs> Right. Or like, like, yeah, it's like, I don't fucking care. Or like, like uh, technically, Ed Gain wasn't a serial killer. He actually only killed two people. He was actually a craftsman. Right. If it was modern times, he would be selling that shit on Etsy for hundreds of dollars. Right. Nipple belt, very valuable. <laughs> he dug up corpses and fucked them. He did not kill those people. So get your facts straight. <laughs> right. You say monster, but really? He's an artisan. <laughs> okay. There was also this crazy rumor about Lizzie Borden that was talked about at great length in the Victoria Lincoln book, A Private Disgrace, and that was that Lizzie Borden allegedly had epilepsy, and because she was epileptic, it contributed to her sort of snapped moment, which I don't, I'm not a doctor, I happen to not think that's incredibly accurate uh, or possible. Uh, There are plenty of epileptic people in this world who don't who don't snap and murder people. So th- there was like an entire chapter dedicated to Lizzie's alleged epilepsy right. in this book. I tried to do some digging on that and I couldn't find any facts supporting that, that she was an epileptic. And even if she was an epileptic, I highly doubt that that had anything to do with what happened next. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that, I don't I don't know that. enough about it, but it seems off. Well, people on the fan page didn't think it was accurate either. Well then, I looked that's there. all we need. Right. Hatch it. I believe them. They're hardcore. There's also a story that's sort of gone around in Lizzie Borden true crime lore that you see in multiple places about how Lizzie kept pigeons in her barn sort of as pets. She kept pigeons. She liked pigeons. She kept them in her barn. Andrew was like, those fucking pigeons, the cooing, I can't stand it. He was so irritated at the noise they were making. Why isn't he at the textile factories? (laughs) Yeah, get back to work, Andrew. So Andrew storms into the barn, and he takes a hatchet, and he hacks them up and kills them. And that's what we call foreshadowing. (laughs) I mean, look, I will say that is a very cinematic moment. It's very rude. Like, well, no, it's very rude, but I'm saying that, like, that story makes the whole legend. In a movie, that would be, like, the moment that we cut away from. Well, we'll talk about that. Okay. When we talk about the movie, we'll talk about that. 
I that's just a rumor. That's just a oh, maybe. Yeah, that's just a maybe it happened. I think she did have pigeons. I think there were pigeons. Uh, Look, she doesn't have a lot going on. I buy that she would have pets. Right. I buy that she would have little animal pets. Yeah. Feed the birds, toppins. Oh, God. <laughs> but that's sort of like in the lore of Lizzie Borden, that sort of adds like that. That is it's part another of, element of why she was pissed. Why she fucking hated her dad. And personally, yeah. I think there's enough reasons to hate her dad. I'm already good. Right. Yeah. He sucks. Okay. It's said that the reason Lizzie stopped calling her stepmother mother is because Andrew Borden bought Abby's stepsister her own house. So Lizzie's dad buys his wife's stepsister her own house instead of his adult daughters buying his adult daughters their own house. I'd be mad too. I'd be furious. Yes. I'd be like, you said you couldn't afford real estate. (laughs) Why can't we be in your slumlord things, your tenements? I mean, I'd be furious too. So eventually Andrew did end up selling Lizzie and Emma's grandfather's house to them for a dollar. And I love this move that they did. So the girls, they acquire this house that belonged to their grandfather for a dollar. And then they turned around and they sold it back to their dad for $5,000. That's crazy. I don't know how he was like, oh, okay. That sounds I like- forgot that I sold it to you for a dollar. <laughs> I don't know how that worked, but it did happen. Okay. And I felt like that was a very baller move. Maybe yeah. he was like, oh, you guys are. It's increased in value. We installed some new lights. <laughs> it was like some weird capitalist lesson that he felt like he had taught them. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that did happen. Um, but that was around the time when Lizzie was like, Mrs. Borden. Yeah. I'm not calling you mother anymore. In June of 1891, Andrew and Abby Borden went out of town to visit one of Andrew's other properties. While they were out of town, the house was robbed. (gasps) But only items belonging to Andrew and Abby were taken. A drawer belonging to Andrew Borden was broken into and the robber made off with $80 in cash and a book of horse car tickets. (laughs) Desi, do you know what a horse car is? Uh... I have no idea. It sounds like an old school Uber. Like, (laughs) that's your credit. (laughs) You pay for the horse and carriage, maybe? I have no idea. I don't know, but somebody who's really into Victorian LARPing is screaming at their phone right now. Right. They're taking out their cog, steampunk (laughs) monocle and yelling at us, shaking their fist that's covered in a gold glove. (laughs) We love you. Bye. We love all our steampunk fans. Mm -hmm. The other crazy thing is that this robbery happened in the middle of the day. What? And Lizzie, her sister Emma, and the maid Bridget were all home at the time of the robbery. What are the odds? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Andrew Borden called the police, but he urged them not to take the story to the press because he was embarrassed that his house got broken into in the daylight. I mean, the biggest insult ever. (laughs) While his daughters were home and their maid, and they were just like... It sounds like he kind of knew, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And because within three weeks, he dropped the charges Mm -hmm. because he was like, this is humiliating. Like, my daughter staged a robbery at the house, sort of as a fuck you, dad. I like that she was, like, taking out his pocket watch in front of him. I'm like, (laughs) what? Oh, it is five (laughs) o'clock. Will you look at the time? Time for dinner. <laughs> so I was watching this really great, um, I was watching these great Lizzie Borden, like really low, ultra low budget documentaries on YouTube 
that were like very much like investigation discovery style where it's like really horrible reenactments mm-hmm. with like non-union actors the best my favorite like love it would watch a whole show of these I love them I love the reenactments of true crime stories they're so great and this one Lizzie Borden in one of the episodes they gave her a fucking Boston accent oh god so she's in these Victorian like fucking uptight prim and proper dresses but she's like yo this is it's wicked hot in the bond today you know like how much for these pocket watches (laughs) and like they show her literally like going to the store like they show lizzie like a clip of her after the robbery like going to the pawn shop and like slamming the jewelry i'm like i want to talk to you (laughs) how much can i get for all this stuff that's amazing it was awesome uh, I'll post a link to one of them so okay. people can watch it. Just to remind me. You have to remind me. Okay. Okay. Andrew dropped the charges and he's like, that shit was embarrassing. Uh, Lizzie, it's speculated that she was actually looking for the will of her dad. Oh. Because his desk drawer was opened. So when she didn't find it, she was like, we need to make it look like a robbery because I broke into his desk drawer. <laughs> That's a really good point. Oh, thank you. I always just thought she did it because she was like, fuck you, dad. Like they're looking for it. And then when they didn't find it, they're like, well, now we have to make it look like someone came and robbed the house. Like, we're just sitting here watching TV. <laughs> someone came into the house <laughs> and robbed his drawer. They don't it have happens. plumbing. But- hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. They have a television set. <laughs> Look, just because it wasn't invented yet doesn't mean it didn't happen, Rachel. Okay. I heard a rumor on the Lizzie Borden message board. <laughs> that they had a television. Yeah. It had a crank. You turn it on. There was a squirrel running in the back. <laughs> Okay. So in July of 1892, Lizzie and her sister Emma took a vacation together to New Bedford. (laughs) Hold on. Lizzie returned to Fall River on the 26th of July while Emma stayed on vacation and traveled to Fairhaven. And on July 31st, Bridget served Lizzie, Andrew, and Abby Borden mutton for dinner. Mm. No, not (laughs) mmm. By August 2nd, after days of eating leftover mutton, the whole household got violently ill. Mm. They were... (laughs) (laughs) I'm still on the mutton. (laughs) Dude, everyone was barfing and shitting all Mm -hmm. over this house. Now Andrew's like, we should have had indoor plumbing. (laughs) Right. And this is the part in the infomercial where it's the grainy black and white footage. And there's a guy and it's like this black and white shot of him like shitting into a bucket in the backyard going. Are you shitting in buckets? (laughs) (laughs) Are you tired of shitting in buckets outdoors? Are you tired of wiping your ass with leaves? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was Andrew Borden at that moment. Right. That was his moment of life. I like thinking of him hot diarying <laughs> in the dirt. His ass is fucking burning. Like he had one of those hot sauces that are called like 
assinator or something. He's wait, his wait, ass is- wait. <laughs> <laughs> His Wait, ass is on fire. Isn't that another podcast just made their own hot sauce? Called- right. It was like ass murders. <laughs> ass murder. I'm Dude, sorry. I don't even know if that's what it's called, but it it was horrible. We're never going to um, talk. We don't talk shit about other podcasts. We don't talk shit about other podcasts, but there is another podcast that I have seen that they came out with a hot sauce and it is called like Assacre or something. <laughs> Asiker. It's Asiker. <laughs> it's like, honestly, I like really spicy food, but my goal in life is to not have my ass burning, like my asshole literally on fire and shooting out diarrhea. Like that is never my goal when I eat food. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> look, call me crazy. <laughs> it always comes back to diarrhea on this show. Right. I have no song for this. I would love to do like a Lizzie Borden nursery rhyme with the diarrhea incident (laughs) and combine the diarrhea song, but I just can't do it right now in my intoxicated state. So yeah, that's amazing. When you're eating up your mutton (laughs) and you kind of feel something, we'll 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 work on it. When you're eating up your mutton and your fire is coming out of your button. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Look, that's the best I can do. Okay. okay. I have no excuse. It's I'm just hot and sweaty Whatever. Right I'm now. drinking wine out of a coffee cup. <laughs> I don't have wine glasses. I don't drink. It's fine. Okay. All right. So everyone's barfing and shitting, and Abby is like, we've been poisoned. Of course. Right. Like, why would you not think food poisoning instantly? Right. And it's like, duh, you live in the 19th century. Everyone's- Bitch, you're in the 19th century. <laughs> Get a grip. Like, everyone's dying of everything right. back then. Your ass has cholera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take a second. Think it through. You're not poisoned. It's Occam's razor. <laughs> oh, my God. Mrs. Borden, you need to calm the fuck down. So she's like, we've been poisoned. (laughs) Mrs. Borden (laughs) thought the poison was in the bread. What? (laughs) She was like, the bread. It was the bread maker. She sounds dumb as fuck. (laughs) Like, why would you ever think it was the bread? Why wouldn't you think it was the weird congealed meat you've been eating for three days? Look, we've been eating old fucking lamb for four days but i'm gonna go it's the sourdough right doesn't make any sense the sourdough is helping you it's the brat diet when you have diarrhea you need to eat some bread right okay so she went to the doctor and she's like we've been poisoned and it turns out it was just food poisoning okay but i mean technically poisoned by the mutton Not right. a person. Right. Not a person. Fucking you know, mutton. they like left this bubbling pot of mutton. Probably not even bubbling. Just It probably of... wasn't even in the fridge. They're just they like... didn't have a fridge. Yeah. They're just like picking. I mean, I eat food that's sitting on my counter too, but I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> when I got food poisoning. But this is like four days later. Right. I mean, it's gross. two days later, just mm-hmm. sitting there out. Okay. On the afternoon of August 3rd, Lizzie's uncle, the husband of her deceased mother, John Morse, arrives at the Borden household for a visit. Hey. He, <laughs> when Okay, this guy in the movie, in the Lizzie movie, was uh-huh. played as a villain. Ooh. Did he have like that um, Penelope Pitstop villain mustache? He like, did. Foiled again. He, Brendan, <laughs> can you come here for a sec? Bring the bottle. <laughs> I need you to describe this character in the movie. Okay, so... 
Brendan, I'm, we're going to bring a special guest onto the show right now, just briefly, because he's shy about being on podcasts. Don't blow it. Uh, do you remember the character in the movie we watched yesterday, John Morse, the other villain? Mm-hmm. Can you just describe him for us? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot well, describe him for you. This segment be more, worked out. Be more specific with your prompt. Why was he a dick? Desi wants to know why he was a dick. Oh, because he was a conniving son of a bitch. Okay. He, yeah, he was trying to get in on that inheritance. Oh, so another person's in for the money. So in the movie, there was this whole other subplot that John Morse was dropping by because he wanted to get in on the Borden inheritance money. And he he's was, like, I heard you guys been shitting for days. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I heard you've been shitting for days. Or someone's going to The croak. end is nigh. Right. So he's like... <laughs> So he comes in and he's like... Did you get my Asakura hot sauce and put it on the mutton? (laughs) Okay, good. Short and scale contains adult themes and violence. (laughs) Stay in your lane, Rachel. Okay, I'm going to delete that. (laughs) Okay, so in the movie they have this... (laughs) I never realized that that sounded like Johnny's (laughs) Tapanato. Sorry. Okay. What? I'm serious. He's going to attack us. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In the movie, they portray Lizzie's uncle as this conniving second villain. Like her dad's yeah. one villain, and then this guy's the other villain. Yeah. But I didn't find any of that in my reading that he right. was. I think this was for the purpose of the movie. I could be totally wrong. Right. But that's not what no, I'm reporting. People love inheritance. They do. But <laughs> I this, would love an inheritance. But this guy not only was like a villain with the inheritance thing, he was just like an all-around dick right. and like creepy too. He was like a okay. little pervy also. Uh-huh. There was a lot of like perv things in happening in the movie, oh, which I we'll talk. I can't wait to get to the movie. Yeah, we're going to get to the movie after the murder. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. After the murder. Wow, editing's going to be fun tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry. I know, it's my fault. Okay. So John arrives at the house to visit. He does not bring any <laughs> He does not bring any luggage with him. He just drops by. John Morse had a meal that afternoon at the house with Andrew and Abby, and at around 3 or 4 o'clock, he went on an errand. Morse returned to the Borden house at 8.30 that evening where him, Abby Borden, and Andrew Borden sat in the living room together. Lizzie, meanwhile, was at her friend Alice's house talking about her dad's enemies. She was talking about her uncle's visit and a suspicious character that she had seen lurking around the property. So Lizzie arrives back to her house at 9 p.m. John said that he heard someone enter, presumably Lizzie, through the front door, heard them go upstairs, enter Lizzie's room, and shut the door, but he did not see or talk to Lizzie that night. Mrs. Borden went upstairs to bed at 10 p.m. while Andrew and John sat and talked a little while longer. Then John Morse went up to bed and went to sleep in the guest room above the parlor. The next morning, Andrew Borden, Abby Borden, and John Morse had breakfast together. John Morse left the Borden house at around 8.40 a.m. in the morning of August 4th. Abby Borden was dusting around the house, and Andrew Borden walked him to the rear door, and that was the last time he would ever see them alive. 
Lizzie Borden came downstairs shortly after John Morris left the Borden household. He was planning to return again around noon to have lunch with them. Everyone at the Borden house is still pretty barfy at this point. Oh. Like, they're just keeping it together. They're still, like, I admire that they had breakfast. Yeah, they had (laughs) breakfast. Actually, I think, like, I was reading the trial testimonies, and they were like, what did you have for breakfast? And I it love was like, it. That's the question I would ask. Yeah, and it was like cookies. What? <laughs> I swear to God, Biscuits. somebody said cookies and coffee. And I was like, that's what I want for breakfast every morning. Right. But Co- I can see you have an upset stomach. It's like, just a cookie. <laughs> it's probably one of those like bland butter cookies in the tin right. that are shaped Ugh. like a, that's shaped like a little pretzel. The ones that you put sewing equipment <laughs> Yes, the ones you put like. There's like one that's a rectangle, one that's a pretzel, (laughs) (laughs) one that's just a little turd looking one. Yeah, there's always the ones everyone wants to eat first. Like I would go for the pretzel one. Probably. I fucking hate those cookies. They suck. I fucking they're the worst. In general, I would like a butter cookie, but not the ones in the tin. Yeah, they're stale. They're not fresh. They're bad. No. Come on, guys. They're so dry. Don't give me those. Don't give me those cookies. (laughs) You know what? Cookies are good. If you want to spend no money and get me cookies for a present, get me the ones at the grocery store that are the like really soft ones with the like electric colored frosting on top. The soft sugar cookies. The soft sugar Mm -hmm. cookies with that like thick layer of frosting and sprinkles. I would like a good Madeline. If I'm doing a butter cookie, come on. They have the cute little pouch on the the belly. (laughs) It's like a little belly. It's a cute little belly. Mm. Yeah, Madeline's yeah. are good. I like them. I'll eat a Madeline. If I'm like, going butter cookie, it's not my first choice. No. no. If I'm going butter cookie, give me shortbread cookie. Oh, yeah. Yum. Like a homemade shortbread. By the way, this is off topic, but I have a really good shortbread chocolate chip cookie recipe for you to try. Okay. Next. It's One really more good. cookie comment. Okay. I'm Cook for it. Cookie corner. Cookie corner. My mom makes the best rosemary shortbread cookies. Oh, God, love. Oh, my God. They're so good. I love them at um, Moza, the shortbread. Um, they're like a shortbread yeah. kind of cookie with pine nuts and rosemary. They're so good. Okay. Okay. Cookie corner. <laughs> I love the cookie corner. Look. I'll t- I could talk about cookies every week. Me too. Okay. Okay. And uh, that, that wraps up this cookie corner. Yeah. All right. Okay, so everyone in the house is feeling pretty barfy. So Abby Borden told Bridget, go wash the windows in the front of the house. And then she went upstairs to make the bed in the room where John Morse had slept. At around 9 a.m., Andrew Borden left to go to the bank. At 9.30 a.m., Abby Borden was attacked with a hatchet to the head and killed upstairs. Whoa. When Andrew Borden returned at 10.45 a.m., Bridget said she heard Lizzie laughing upstairs. She let Andrew in as the door was locked and he was unable to open the door. Lizzie came downstairs and asked her father if there was any mail. Then she informed him that Mrs. Borden had received a note from someone in town and that she had left the house. Bridget, still feeling unwell, went upstairs to her quarters to lay down. At 11.10 a.m., Bridget could hear Lizzie screaming for her downstairs that her father had been killed. So the family's physician, Dr. Bowen, was called to the house, as were the police. And police arrived to the Borden's house, and they found Andrew Borden slumped on the couch in the sitting room where he was last seen. His face was a mess. It was hacked beyond recognition. And what's weird about this is that he didn't have any defensive wounds. It appeared that the first blow was fatal and that he was taking a nap when the attack occurred. Like I would be so irritated 
if someone attacked me with a hatchet while I was trying to take a nap. It's the ultimate irritation. <laughs> I don't even like, I don't even like hear, I don't want to hear anything when I'm taking a nap. No. That's like my sacred time. Yeah. If someone came in with a fucking hatchet. It's like murder me after my last good nap. Right. Maybe after a few cookies. <laughs> too. Let me get a few cookies and a nice nap in. Then I'm fine to be murdered. Right. Then have at it. <laughs> fucking take a swing. Yeah. Okay. So he didn't have any defensive wounds, but he did have a ton of fucking wounds. wounds. <laughs> like he had a ton of wounds on his face. Like they were offensive wounds. They were offensive <laughs> wounds. So these so this was the kind of attack. I, there's like a name for it. Like I know this name because I like know so I listen to so much true crime shit and like whatever, watch so much true crime shit. There's a name for it, but it's like that excessive <clears throat> murder where it's like overkill. Overkill. Yeah. Right. Where you're literally overkilling someone. And that means usually that you have a reason. Like it's a, not just killing someone for a robbery gone wrong. It's usually like you have some hate for this personal. person. Yeah. It's personal. Uh-huh. So this was definitely a personal attack that had happened. John, I mean, uh, Andrew's eyeball was split in two and his nose was almost cut all the way off. Whoa. Like his face was just fucked up. It was hacked. It was hacked. Yeah. To bits. Abby Borden was found upstairs next, lying face down on the floor. She had been attacked in the face and on the back of her head because she was first attacked while she was standing up on the face. Uh And then she turned around and then just... To run. Yeah. And just the rest of her was hacked to bits on the head. And she died pretty quickly after Uh the first blow uh, struck her. So that was also an overkill. And she had significantly more... I mean, not significantly... Like, she had more wounds... She was hacked more probably because she wasn't sleeping. Right. Right. So it was like. She had 18 hacks and Andrew Borden had like 11. Whoa. So it's not 40 and 41. Mm -hmm. Just clearing that up. But it's still a lot, a lot of times to be chopped up. Yes. When police questioned Lizzie about her mother, she was like, um, actually she's my stepmother. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is classic i mean the fact that she's in her 30s is hilarious to me because that's like a teenager like right. move right? it totally was um she's not my real mom she's my stepmom because <laughs> they were like so your mother she's like stepmom yeah stepmom Love it. so she was really calm and sort of matter of fact during the interrogation mm-hmm. and that was also something that they were like oh Ooh. what's going yeah. on here why is she not having why a fainting spell yeah. a hatchet head just the head of the hatchet was found in the basement and this Hatchet wasn't covered in blood, but it was covered in ashes, like it had been there for a while. Uh Like it was just dirty. Dr. Bowen told the police that Lizzie and Abby had feared that they had been poisoned and that the whole family had recently been sick. And we were recently robbed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Police went around to different pharmacies in town to find out who had been buying poisonous shit. And they went to D.R. Smith Pharmacy and talked to the clerk who was like, uh, Lizzie came in here just before the murders to try and buy prussic acid. She said she wanted to use it to kill the moths to protect her clothing, but I wouldn't sell it to her. Okay. So that's pretty damning. Right. That she goes into this pharmacy and she's like, do you have poison? <laughs> Basically. Yeah. He's like, now what? That's does- before like the internet where everyone was like coy about like searching for like. Yeah, you go on the dark yeah. web. Yeah. You go- Right. Come on, Lizzie. She just went straight into the local pharmacy yeah. and was like, can I get some poison? She didn't even go to the next town. No. Yeah. She went right in town where they knew her. And she's like, I want to use poison? it for moths. Yeah. That's it's typical, right? right. <laughs> Three days later, on August 7th, Lizzie is seen by her sister, Emma, burning 
her blue dress in the kitchen. And she's like, what are you doing? And she's like, there was paint on it. (laughs) (laughs) But if that was the case, wouldn't you just throw it out? Or use it for rags? Right. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, okay. So that's a little damning. Uh Uh-huh. Lizzie was then prescribed morphine because that's what you do in 1892. You just prescribe morphine for whatever uh, to calm her nerves by the family doctor. So much of her statement during the inquest was really rambly and contradictory Uh because she's fucking high as shit. And Lizzie swore that during the time of the murders that she was in the barn eating pears. Oh. Is that a logical thing? Well, there was like a lot of like suspicion around that because they're like it's august it's really hot why are you hanging out in the barn i'm eating pears bitch <laughs> that's what she said she's like we have a pear tree look I was there's a limited pears. times where pears are good they're really hard they're ripe and then they're too ripe right. <laughs> you eat them when they're at the peak so that's what she said she was doing and she was looking for like some lead sinkers of course right Lead sinkers? I don't know for what. Is that fishing? I guess. I have no idea. I don't know. It all seems very dated. (laughs) So Lizzie was arrested and jailed on August 11th, 1892. The trial began on June 5th, 1893, and on June 20th, she was found not guilty. After the trial, Lizzie parted ways with the maid, Bridget Sullivan. Lizzie and her sister, Emma, finally moved up to the hills. They... Got yeah. their dream, and they were rece- moving on up. <laughs> right, they did. They moved up yeah. to the hills. They received their large inheritance. Awesome. But they ended up parting ways and becoming estranged in 1905. Okay. And Lizzie died alone, unmarried. I mean, that is sort of the only benefit about being a woman back in those days. I feel like people didn't think you were capable of horrible crimes. Well, actually, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like sexism is what got her off. It's yeah, because they were like. She comes a woman from a, wouldn't do that. Like, that's literally yeah. like one of the biggest cases for her. Like they were like, she's a woman. They didn't believe that a woman could do that. She comes from a good home. Right. I personally think she did it. And I personally do think she snapped. Right. Like, I mean, there's so much evidence pointing to that she did it. Well, who else would have? And like you said, it was overkill. This is someone who had been leading that way her whole life. Right. She had a lot of hatred for both of these people. Also, I do feel like the fact that in that moment she took the time to correct the stepmom thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> proves to me that she's guilty. Even in her death, she resented her. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in that moment, as much as you hated someone, you wouldn't be petty. Right. You'd be respectful or you'd be so sad You wouldn't sad even just say shocked. anything because you'd be sad about your dad maybe. Or it just wouldn't be in your mind to be petty at that moment. Right. I mean, it would be in my mind. <laughs> well, not everyone is so special like you, Lizzie. <laughs> so let's talk about the movie Lizzie. Okay. So this movie took all of the rumors and put it into the film. Okay. And I get why they did that because it's they want to heighten the stakes and make it more dramatic and more intense. So they had the epilepsy in there. I mean, there was a scene where Lizzie went to the theater at her father's, you know, he did not want her to go to the theater alone because she didn't have a suitor with her. Mm -hmm. So Lizzie goes to the theater and she's in the theater and she passes out. You know, she has like a seizure in Uh the theater. I guess that's not. And he's like, see. Basically, yeah. he was like, how you humiliated us and, you know, having your spells around town and yeah. like, so they show her having like epilepsy in right. the film. The other element that they added in 
which comes from a book, one book, I think, uh, I forget the name of the book. I think the book is actually called Lizzie. So I guess that's like the source that this movie or one of the sources this movie used. Uh A main plot point in the movie Lizzie is that Andrew Borden was molesting the maid, Bridget. And she was an adult. Yes, but he was like raping her at night. Okay. And that that was something that Lizzie resented. So they really like raised the stakes on Andrew being this vile, horrible monster. Right. It wasn't enough that he was just a miser, a miser, a bad person or a stingy, an evil sort of like Mr. Potter type. Like he was, he wasn't just a Mr. Potter in this. He was also a molester. Yeah. And like a rapist. A rapist. Yeah. So. The other main plot point, like really I would say what this whole story was about, was about Kristen Stewart and Chloe Sevigny's love affair with each other. Oh. So that's a main plot point that they were lesbian or like lesbian lovers or that they were lovers. Yeah. yeah. That they had a romantic relationship and sexual relationship with each other. But would she have poisoned her with a mutton? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> It was on accident. Okay. It was an accident. Okay, okay, okay. Because they didn't have refrigeration. Right, 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 okay. right. So, so it wasn't intentional. They liked each other. Like, in real life, Bridget and Lizzie did like each other. They got along fine. There was no animosity towards each, towards each right. other. But in this particular telling of the story... It was more than just... They were in love with each other, and they were sneaking around. And did that lead to Andrew's murder in the movie? Well, Andrew found out about it. He saw them fucking in the barn at one point. Like, I don't want to give away too much about the movie, even though, like, fuck you, it's a 115-year-old case or whatever. Like, you know, there isn't really any spoilers. But what I can say about it is that they really did include every single sort of salacious, interesting dramatic rumor about the case right that are probably not true but make a more interesting movie yeah Uh and I get why they did that like they had a really great scene about the pigeons which I liked okay you can't tell us well he just showed the whole like pigeon legend the hacking yeah Uh and it was just done really well I felt and they actually ate the pigeons afterwards like they got served for dinner Okay. That's in the trailer, so That's whatever. also like a common, um, I think, abusive parent thing where they yes. kill the pet and serve it for dinner. Totally. Like, I mean, it's not a cat or a dog, but it's usually like a rabbit or a whatever. Right. Like a more edible. Right. Like by the end of this movie, you wanted Andrew Borden to die. I mean, I kind of already wanted him to die. Like, yeah, he sucks. I don't really feel bad. Uh, you, you buy that Lizzie Borden killed them? I, I mean, it does seem like a violent way to murder. My only thing is, and maybe this is like sexism on my part, it doesn't seem like a likely way for a female, a woman to kill. Usually they do a more... Um, like poison? Well, they do something that's less contact, right? Yeah. Like yeah. something that's more distant in, in my, like whatever, my limited knowledge of things. Right. I don't think that that necessarily means she didn't. Right. But... That would be one of the things, like, if I was <laughs> the defense attorney, you I would, would bring up, that. like, that's like a man, uh, that seems to me like a man would do, like, like historically. Fi- it's also like a hard thing to do, like, you're swim- swinging a hatchet. Like, I've actually tried to cut wood before, and I don't know, I'm thinking hers is probably smaller. It's hard to, like, swing something that heavy but maybe hers is like a smaller well, hand. Well, hatchets are, hatchets are smaller than yeah. axes. I don't know. Like, that is like a really brutal way to kill someone. Oh, yeah. But maybe she's just been driven to a point. 
And it was all she had access to. Right. And she didn't commit any more crimes. There actually was, like, because I was really trying to find this, if, like, the, her being interested in women was a thing, or if that was just, like, a very cinematic twist Uh they put on this. But she did, she was rumored to have dated this actress in the 20s. Okay. So there is that. Did you like the movie? There were elements of it I definitely like. There was stuff I would have, you know what? I I, I did like, I enjoyed watching it. Mm -hmm. I recommend you go see it, especially if you're interested in the case. I'm really curious to hear what other people have to say about it. Yeah. Um, I guess I would have preferred it to be more atmospheric if that makes sense but that's me I really like over the top dramatic sort of gothic looking well if you're gonna go for the lies and rumors you might as well go for it right like I mean they did it was like dramatic in that way but I meant like the set design oh okay I wanted like the I wanted it to look creepier oh okay. I wanted it to feel creepier and it was more realistic or she was too sunny. I wanted, oh, okay. it to, I wanted it to be like just darker and more like yeah. goth, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah but that's yeah, yeah. just my sensibilities that right. has nothing to do with the merit of the film. It's just more like, oh, this is how I would have done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did think it was interesting that Chloe Sevigny apparently had, this is something she's been working on this movie for like five years. She produced the movie. Okay. So I thought that was cool that she got, this seemed like this was like her passion project. Mm-hmm. And I love watching her. I love watching everything she does yeah so it was fun i ate an entire bag of cheetos during the movies i snuck the cheetos into the theater did you get diarrhea (laughs) no but i also ate popcorn that i bought at the theater that's like a very rachel fisher move is like i'll bring my own snacks but still buy the movie theater snacks because i'm a pig yeah and you also like support the arts (laughs) Yeah, because I know that's how the theaters make their money. Yeah. It's from the snacks. It's like, look, I'm bringing food, but I'm also buying. Right. So technically, I'm not a cheapskate like I'm just, Andrew. I'm just a fucking pig. <laughs> yeah. And I like it like I need that. more. Okay. Right. Um, cool. So, yeah, I think that's it. Um, wow. Okay. So, so we mentioned the book giveaway. We mentioned the book giveaway. You can join us on Facebook. Uh, we have a group there called Hollywood Crime Scene Friends, and you can chat about this episode and other episodes, other true crime and Hollywood-related stories. Um, we also have some merch for sale right now, and we're yeah. going to expand that soon. Uh, but you can go to HollywoodCrimeScene.com, and it'll take you to what we do have right now. Right. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. That's it. I think that's it. Okay. Whoops. All bye. right. Bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.